Hey, Green Future Growers. Welcome to Season 4. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Beyer. I'm here to help you create, grow, and enjoy your own organic oasis. I hope you'll subscribe for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. And I have an amazing guest on the line. Not only is she a rock star millennial, but she was here before and she sent out a post. If you heard it, I read her post about her tangle with the thief. And um, she's here today to share with us about a virtual event she has coming up that you might be interested in and about medicinal herbs and what it's like in San Francisco growing um, food and teaching and living and enjoying food. So here to share with us today live and in person is Bonnie Rose Weaver. Welcome back, Bonnie. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. It's so great to be here. Well, Hello yeah. to all of your audiences and fans listening. Aww. Well, there's a lot more since the first time you were here. I did just replay our original interview after I um, read your blog post. And so, um, but go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself and, and what you've been up to since you were here. Okay, great. Yeah. So I am an herbalist and I am living in San Francisco where I grew up. So I have a pretty strong connection to this place and Growing medicinal herbs here has been a passion of mine and definitely a through line since we last talked. I also teach at a high school. I teach a health class where we work in the school garden and focus on learning about herbal medicine from different cultural perspectives. I work one-on-one -on -one with clients and I make a lot of medicine, different tinctures, sprays, oils, salves, you name it, I make it. And I tend a large medicinal herb garden in a public park that we love here in SF called Alamany Farm. So for folks who are in the Bay Area or in SF or want to come visit, there is a, I think, three and a half acre piece of land um, on the backside of Bernal Hill, kind of in the southern neighborhoods of SF, that is adjacent to a pretty traditional park called St. Mary's. And then it's like this big kind of slope, almost like the shape of an amphitheater that's kind of like flat, and then it goes up into the hills. And it's been tended as an urban agriculture project for at least 15 years. I think probably there's history beyond that that is lesser known that I'm kind of still working on getting to know, um, maybe closer to 20 or, or, or even more than that, but it is traditional land of the Ramatush Ohlone people. And there is a couple organizations that tend the space at this point in conjunction with the rec and park department of san francisco so it is publicly managed tended land and then i'm working there in the medicine garden um cultivating really the idea is to have a public medicine garden where people can come to learn how to grow plants and enjoy admire the plants 
sit along amongst them, harvest them, learn to use them in their kitchens, learning how to make herbal remedies, activating ancestral and knowledge from elders in the community, and pick flowers with your medicine. So there's so many different ways people can engage. And I've been there going on uh, at least two years, so coming into the third season. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we do a bunch of programming out of the site too, which I'm excited to tell you all about. But yeah, in a very large nutshell, that's what's going on over here. Well, that's a lot of stuff going on. I'm just going to spell, it's Alamany, it's A-L-E-M-A-N-Y, right? Alamany Farm, Alamany Park? Alamany, it's called Alamany Farm at St. Mary's Park. And yes, you spelled it correctly. And, um, okay, well, well, what's next? Do you want to talk about the virtual event that's coming up? Or do you want to talk about the parks more? or? Sure. Okay. So the program that I've been developing at the garden site um, has had a bunch of different kind of pieces to it. And the part that I'm really excited about right now is a workshop series called Seed to Bottle. It's gone by a few different names. It's also known as grow your medicine and I've done the workshop it's essentially so Jackie you have my book and for folks who don't know in 2017 no it was 2016 I self-published a book about growing herbs medicinal herbs in San Francisco and so it's really an exciting intro for people who want to learn more about medicinal herbs as well as people who live in cities and want to learn how to grow them. And I deeply believe that people who know what their herbs look like, similar to how the urban agriculture movement really encouraged people to know in city centers who really are often completely removed from their food, what their food looks like. Um, I'm trying to make this, or I am making this parallel motion as far as, as far as people who want to be empowered by plants as medicine, we should know what they look like. We should know how to grow them. We should have them in our communities. I think back to the early days of the pandemic and how there was this scarcity that kind of came over so many people. And I remember thinking to myself and then also offering to my community, you know, thinking about what is in our kitchen and what plants are growing nearby in our bioregions. And thinking about in California, we have a lot of eucalyptus trees. So like, where your, where's your closest eucalyptus tree? Where could you go and harvest that and, you know, make a steam so that if you are having a respiratory issue that you can help bring those essential oils and moisture into your lungs through a steam. And now that I think of it, an incredible resource for listeners. If you have COVID, if you had it, or if you want to continue to prevent having it, um, myself with a bunch of other herbalists back in the early pandemic in 2020, put together an online resource called Get Radical Boil Roots. It was spearheaded by herbalist Gina Badger, who is based in Vancouver, Canada. And 
herbalists from all over the country helped incorporate and collaborate into making this incredible thorough reader. Um, so definitely still very worthwhile and relevant. Um, but going back into the garden, and we can get that um, that link in the show notes, uh, the garden is essentially the embodiment of that desire and that uh, wish to have a local medicine chest, if you will. Um, and a lot of people similar to after reading my book, Deeply Rooted, want to get their hands dirty and want to learn how to navigate growing medicinal herbs. Medicinal herbs do have quite a different cultivation and germination process from vegetables. So I've been offering a workshop, uh, again, called Seed to Bottle or Grow Your Medicine for, I think, mm, close to 10 years, maybe nine. Um, and then three years ago, when I started working in this space, we got to put the ideas into action. And I broke it up into a six-part series where we go through a full season from the beginning of February through early May in doing every step germinating seeds, learning about different types of propagation, preparing garden beds, learning how to plant a garden, potting up, which is a passion of mine, planting out, spacing, learning about pests, uh, doing any type of troubleshooting, honoring this change of seasons. There's this beautiful willow tree that we often gather under and in the winter when we first start it's just completely bare and over the months we start to see it sprout out and grow new leaves and come out into this full flush really beautiful shade covering in spring and summer and we talk about the herbs that we're growing of course we're witnessing all of those changes in the garden the way that it might shift from cold, rainy, foggy, windy days to bright, sunny, warm days. And the growth of the plants, we get a ton of flowers in the Bay Area in March and April after our winter rains. And just really getting to enjoy and witness that is a huge part of it. So this course has been so popular that uh, what I'm really excited to share with listeners here is that I've decided to put it online and I'm going to be doing on Thursday evenings starting in just a couple weeks this same course with a focus on how to do it where you are um, tailoring it to different bioregions if you're not in the Bay Area going to start February 3rd in the evening and it'll be about two hours with PowerPoint presentations or slide decks I should say and the uh, Google Classroom platform I'll give homework and um, it'll really be the same course um, and I know there's people there's a person in Australia who's very excited about it so it's going to be offered to folks who are farther away and if people are in the bay area i will also do my best to offer a couple volunteer days that they can come out and be in the garden 
and just enjoy the space and, and be a little bit more embodied for that component. So yeah, Speed to Bottle um, will be up on my website soon as an online course and we will be getting into the nitty gritty of wild quality medicine and multi-cycle germination and how herbs are different from vegetables. So how much is it for the six classes? Like, is there a cost to attend? Yeah, it's going to be 195 So a bit less expensive than the full course in person, which is 360 And I do often do like a sliding scale for that. So it can be a little bit more of an equitable access point. But the, yeah, the online course will be 195 Awesome. Um, so what are some of the medicinal plants that you're going to teach about? Yeah. So one thing I really love doing is kind of turning over the mic to my students and having them get focused on plants that stand out to them. I have a teacher, he's up in Oregon, um, Mark DeSharoon, who when I first started studying herbalism said, you know, pay attention to the plants that catch your eye. If you're kind of like walking through a space and there's something that's kind of calling out to you, pay attention to that. Pay attention to the herbs that you really don't like, that maybe there's a feeling of like discomfort that comes up when you're around them. And then pay attention to the herbs that show up in your dreams. Of course, there's herbs that can be related to our individual ancestral lineages that can be really beautiful to dive into. For me, that's usually, um, I think of rosemary as one of those herbs that really guides and supports that. I also encourage my students to just start at the beginning. So something as simple as chamomile and lavender can be a really great access point. I'm a huge fan of catnip. It's such an over overlooked herb. I think a lot of people know it because it's sold as an herb for cats and it does make cats have like a psychoactive experience, but for humans, it's very relaxing. And um, that's always needed in our 21st century reality. Um, Mullen being an incredible long herb, one that has also been a really big part of my healing with asthma is something I encourage my students to look into plantain um, plantain not the banana uh, which is what people usually first think of when they hear the name of that plant plantago lanceolata or plantago major is really inconspicuous herb that is in most lawns um, you've probably seen it before and just didn't realize it if you're not familiar, but that's a really great wound healing herb, one that I use a lot in making salves for skin healing and also topically as a tincture if I'm going to, if I have poison oak, which is another ailment that I suffer from quite intensely. And planting um, good for like bee stings too, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's an astringent. So that's a really great uh, vocab word. Um, I just got through going through all of the herbal actions. So like the ways that the plants kind of offer us healing and, and give us a certain um, action. 
um, in my high school class. And that's been really lovely um, to be able to utilize that vocabulary word with that, those vocabulary words with them. And astringent is one that I often see in the health and beauty aisle, like in a pharmaceutical context even, because a lot of uh, skincare will advertise astringent, like witch hazel or any type of toner that you see. So a lot of people know that word and it's really about drying um, or kind of like re- um, distributing the hydration and moisture. And so, you know, usually when we want our skin to be really hydrated and drinking water is super important for healthy skin. But if you do have something like a whitehead or acne, um, sometimes you want to dry it out so that it can help kind of purge that um, block or, um, yeah, let that kind of moisture remove itself and then start to heal. So um, that's that's why I think uh, plantain for so many good skin issues. And it can do the same thing internally. We can use it in a tea for yeah, any, um, some like gut healing. Um, so any type of tissue repair, plantain. Oh, so overlooked, just your little old weed. Um, definitely one that um, just pops up everywhere. I don't usually have to plant it. Um, which is such a wonderful feeling of abundance. I love culinary when you herbs. When first I love started talking, I thought you yeah. were going to be like, oh, there were going to be, you know, because your climate's so different than ours, but so far you haven't mentioned anything that we don't have growing in our yard. Oh, yeah. Montana, so oh, yeah. I think that's encouraging for listeners. Yes. And that's something that I learned um, just from talking to people um, after Deeply Rooted is you know, we went on a book tour and we talked to people up and down the West Coast. And yeah, the, most of the plants that I really focus on, they're easy to grow and they're so adaptable. And that's really the beauty of herbs, right? Is like they love stress. They thrive in less than ideal circumstances because ultimately that's what's helping them create the plant chemicals or the phytochemicals that then they offer us as medicine because they're creating that to survive and um, protect themselves. So that's one of the biggest pieces that are different, that's different from growing vegetables. You know, if you wanna grow really nice salads or a kale or something, like you want your lettuce to be really tender. You want it to not have a lot of, you know, bug bites, you know, holes in it from bugs and you don't want it to be in like a big windy tunnel where it's going to have to kind of toughen up and the more tender younger it is the nicer it can be to eat it but that can be quite different for an herb Um, we're always I think that there's this myth and this like idea within a lot of herbal community that you can never grow an herb to be as good or high a quality as if you get it from the wild. And that's simply not true. There's this um, idea that wild crafting or taking plants from the wild is a better source. And I personally really disagree with that and discourage people from taking plants from the wild. I think as we see within climate change and just the way that humans have used our planet there's not a lot of wild spaces left 
and those that are should be tended in a way that is much more thoughtful than just people going and taking and I really see that as an extension of kind of like the white supremacist capitalist settler mindset um, and so I definitely want to offer that to folks who might be doing that practice to consider keeping a garden you know and um, I do offer for folks in the Bay Area, I offer garden consultations because an herbal garden is going to look different for each person based on where they are, what herbs they like to use. So that's always the first thing I ask my clients, you know, do you, do you use herbal medicine? And if so, what herbs do you use? Because that is such a guiding point for what we should keep near us. Um, yeah, and, and I love, like going back to some of those herbs, I really love culinary herbs and the way that they can be utilized across food and medicine. So like thyme is an herb that we'll study in seed to bottle and it's a really great herb for the lungs. It has an affinity to the lungs as well as it being delicious. And um, sometimes, there's a great book uh, by Cammie McBride called The Herbal Kitchen, I believe. And um, she talks about, she's a big advocate of using herbs in our cooking. And she just talks about how there's so many different ways that bringing herbs, that you can bring herbs into your cooking. Like you could, um, she goes through different recipes for shrubs and salad dressings and, um, you know, just adding them like to your eggs and how that is a form of taking your herbs. You're getting the, the effect and the impact of those herbs. Um, so many of the culinary herbs, sage, oregano, thyme, rosemary, are antibacterial, antimicrobial, so supporting the immune system. I recently learned, I love pepper. I, I, it's like one of those things that I can't quite describe like why I'm obsessed with, but I just love black pepper. And I recently learned that black pepper has CBD in it. Who knew? <laughs> Can you go? So, like, where does black pepper come from? Like, is it like from peppers? It's from a tree, like a peppercorn tree, I believe. Oh, right. That which, would make sense. Sure. Yeah. I don't, I haven't really gotten to know that tree. There is a kind of a local version here that was introduced actually as a tool of colonialization by the Spaniards when they were building the missions out here in California. Um, that is, it's like, I think they call it the California pepper tree and it ha does have little like pink balls that um, come in the spring and those can be used like a pepper, but um, I'm not actually sure what the, I think uh, the, the black pepper tree that we use um, commonly might need more heat. So I'm not as familiar with that tree. Um, I think one that you probably don't have, Jackie, up there in Montana is passionflower. That's a more temperate herb. I don't think we do either. Can I yeah. just step back one quick second? Because you caught my yeah. attention when you talked about time for lungs. Because my husband woke up this morning and was saying that his lungs hurt. And that got me nervous. And I mm -hmm. would like, do you make a tea out of it? Is that what you do? 
Yeah. I think time pairs really well with mullein. And I think of I think of these herbs. Let's see if I can explain this in a way that makes sense in English. I think of pairing herbs as like you want to have different roles for each herb. A lot of times people will create an herbal formula and they'll just kind of throw it'll be like the kitchen sink like oh okay catnip and chamomile and lavender are all relaxing so let's just put them all in the tea or all in the tincture and for people who aren't familiar with tinctures they're kind of like teas but they're extracted into alcohol and sometimes glycerin to preserve it and different than a tea or a dried herb which usually a dried herb can last as an effective remedy um, for about a year. And after that, it starts to lose its potency. And, and that goes the same thing for kitchen herbs as well. So if you have spices in your kitchen that are, you know, two, three, four years old, they're just not going to be as flavorful and um, as bioactive um, for you in your food and in your medicine. But a tincture can last, if it's stored properly, can last up to 10 years. So I actually, when I was, um, sick with COVID a couple weeks ago, I was taking a bone set tincture, which is a really great antiviral that was made in 2012. So it was, it was good, strong color, good flavor. So, you know, it is getting towards the end of its shelf life, but it also, you know, felt potent. Um, but yeah, a, a long tea, I might think, I think of, um, and I actually have a bit of this I need to make a new batch but um it's funny you know I I kind of came into herbal medicine working with my lungs because I have asthma and um, it wasn't until last year that I actually formulated a lung tea for people to buy so um stay tuned uh for later in couple in the spring probably I'll have my lung tea for sale um it's called inhale exhale but it's out of stock right now so the mullein is this tonic. It's this incredible, just lung healer. Um, it, it, it's beautiful. It's shaped like the leaf is kind of shaped like a lung. It has this oval shaped leaf. And then it has this kind of like big, thick um, stem in the middle of it. And then that branches out into smaller little branches on the leaf. And um, that really symbolizes to me the lungs the way that we have the bronchi, bronchi and the bronchioli that branch off. Mm -hmm. And so that doctrine of signatures is really beautiful there. And it's covered in tiny little hairs, the way that we have these tiny little blood vessels in our lungs. And that is that with the beginning of COVID, it's different now with Omicron, but um, it's not affecting the lungs as much. Um, which is great, but um, at the beginning of COVID, those tiny little blood vessels were um, of, of serious concern for um, people's well-being, and part of what gets people in the hospital with a ventilator um, is the breakdown of those, and mullein just supports that and tonifies that and heals some fat tissue and, and those um, tiny little um, parts of our body in this really gentle way it's not very strong the flavor is very mild it doesn't taste like much it does those hairs that I mentioned on the leaf can kind of come off in the water so it is really important to strain it well like with um, a coffee filter or 
um, a fine cloth or just a very fine strainer because um, those little fiber bits can kind of uh, irritate the throat. Um, but that's mullein um, in, in kind of like a profile. Um, and, and so then I think about thyme because thyme is this really strong plant. You know, it's, it's, it's small, but it's mighty. And it's, like I mentioned, antibacterial, antifungal, antimicrobial. And it, you can kind of taste that with the like, almost like menthol-y, you know, active, pungent flavor um, that we so love in our food. So putting that, mixing that with the mullein, um, yeah, in a tea is just this really beautiful harmony where I think of time as this activator, right? So it's like, you've got this gentle, slow, healing, mellow flavor and action of the mullein. And then you have this kind of more spicy, um, yeah, active flavor and action with, with the thyme. So those pair really well. The thyme can be a bit overpowering. So I'd probably use it in a ratio of two parts mullein to one part thyme. Um, I certainly drink thyme tea by itself, <clears throat> but I think it's probably much more of an acquired taste. So if you're new to herbs, it might be a, a bit strong. You can always add like mint or, you know, another flavor that you like, ginger. If you want to add something, my um, lung tea, I put licorice root in there for a bit of a sweetener and to try to kind of mellow out some of those flavors. I was thinking honey because my husband's a big honey fan. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Always uh, doctoring up a, a tea with a honey, some honey. Um, also, I really like um, kind of turning it into like a little latte and doing like some plant milk, you know, oat milk or something and honey and it kind of turns it into like a fancy drink. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, I, I encourage a lot of my students to um, do research on their own. I think that through studying the plants, you know, you can only pick so much up from what somebody tells you, but the real power is building the relationship with the plant and getting to know it like you might know a friend, um, like, like seeing it in the garden and witnessing it, you know, germinating it from a seed and watching it grow into a full-size plant coming into a flower and um gosh yeah one of the one of the things that we're also expanding right now in the in the medicine garden at Alamany Farm is the flower garden I have recently I guess in the past couple of years just realized how much I love flowers <laughs> And being around them, growing them, how they can be such a balm to the soul and to the heart, and they can be so uplifting. And that is, I think, especially in a time like um, this pandemic, can be such a special and beautiful thing. So, um, similar to the way that we've developed the medicine garden, and that we want it to be a place that all people can come and harvest medicine, we're extending the flower garden so that there's. Um, plenty of flowers for people to come pick and make their own bouquets so that's something to look forward to in the spring as well 
a couple more that. herbs oh and go ahead I've been like really into like the smells coming like I don't know why like mm-hmm. I was never a perfume girl but lately I've just mm-hmm. been like wanting to smell like have a smell like I guess I just always thought perfume was like kind of part of like this you know getting dressed up and going out to eat and you know yeah. diamonds and all this like fancy like stuff that I wasn't into you know I was just like this totally lately I think I've been like turning more to like especially who was I just talking to that I'm not even sure if I've released this episode yet but or maybe it was your thing it was your your blog post about the amber and because yeah. I've always worn like an amber oil essential oil and I think uh-huh. it was in your blog post, you were talking about how does Amber calm you or something? And I just thought that was so interesting. And I've been looking oh, yeah. for like a, a amber smelling type of perfume besides just the regular amber oil. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's anyway. so fun that you mentioned that. Yeah. So the amber that I was wearing when I had COVID is a traditional teasing necklace. And it's made out of like the amber resin that is a more of a crystal so if you google like amber teething mm-hmm. necklace I'm sure people will find it and it's um usually I used to work at an herb shop and we sold it to people who had like two-year-olds um and the idea is that you it's just kind of like soothing to the skin and you wear it around your neck and so it's like just helps the child feel more at ease when they're having their teeth come in um and so I just had it because I used to work at the shop and I I just like I don't even really use crystals that much but I had it and I just saw it when I was sick and I thought I want to put that on (laughs) I just need some soothing (laughs) so yeah like you gotta get your medicine wherever you can find it I know and I just thought that was so funny because like I I mean my amber oil has literally been sitting on my shelf like I don't know I've always had a bottle of it ever since Mike and I got married like for over 30 years now and just Mm -hmm. like the fact that I just started wearing it again in the last Mm. three or four months during the pandemic I just and then I read that in your blog post and I thought that's such a coincidence yeah yeah some can be you know they're um I'm getting ready to do a unit with my high schoolers about aromatherapy and it's, it's just this incredible way to access, uh, you know, our parasympathetic nervous system. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about how scent is really associated with memory. And if you've never heard that, I'm sure there's certain scents that you can think of that might you know, I, I smell a certain perfume and I think of my grandmother and um, places. Well, where, have you ever yeah. heard um, like Erin uh, Bazinskian from Florette talk about how she very first got started selling this jar of sweet peas to her neighbor and just how her neighbor started <laughs> crying when she brought them there because it brought back the smells from her grandmother and just mm. that's where her whole flower business started out from and Um, yeah I think I I definitely think that and like for me even like like the smell of food could like garlic and just um Mm -hmm. sauteing garlic just just makes me think of my mom and and cooking and all sorts of memories like that and garlic's a healing herb and um, oh yeah yeah I mean you think about like how long we've been just like 
how scents have guided us through, you know, history, through our different ancestral paths and the ways that these herbs, you know, were traded across the world and, and used as protection and healing and food. And I mean, yeah, I think following the nose and, and the flavors and the way that the herbs show up for us, I definitely think that there's a piece around, you know, like the intoxication of rose. I, <laughs> who doesn't love the, the scent of a rose? That's I mean, like I a fresh say, rose. Yeah. And like you started out talking about just the scent <laughs> of aroma of flowers. And yeah. I don't know, I had such a, um, I don't know if it's a humbling experience or I, I, I grew so many vegetables and spent so much time in the garden this summer that I really like overdid it. And next year, like this summer, I'm definitely going back to more like flowers, herbs, definitely cutting back on the vegetable part of mm. the gardening type of thing. And, and also like, I've had a lot more time to paint this year and just mm. really enjoying my painting of the flowers and, and, mm. um, more excited to doing that kind of thing and just um i i'm so in love with like the magnolia network and that that whole story like erin got her own kind of tv show there's like four or five episodes i think that talk about it's called growing florette about how her business came to be that was just amazing and um just following her whole story uh just was fascinating to me oh cool um anyway uh, yeah. all right yeah, well, was there anything else we haven't talked about today that you wanted to talk about um no I think we got it I I've, it's been such a lovely time chatting with you Jackie and it's so nice to be back I know there's definitely a lot of people over I think the last time we talked was in 2017 or yeah, I was. It was living. July eighth, twenty seventeen, or at least oh, that's wow. when I posted the episode. But probably back then, I was a lot closer to. This year, I've been kind of like far out between day of interview and and posting it. But I'm hoping season four is going to go back to interview and then posting. <laughs> okay, cool. I I didn't. I felt like I got really disconnected from my audience and my podcast and everything last year. So and then oh yeah. I, first, I was all excited. I was like, all right, I'm off the podcasting hamster wheel, and it almost kind of backfired on me. So yeah, this year I'm going to get easy to easy to do in a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been so lovely just chatting and kind of catching up about the the process that I've been in. I think, you know, back when we talked in 2017, I couldn't have told you or imagined where I am now and just the different projects that I'm up to. But I now, you know, that I look back, I can see the the line or the thread that weaves it all together. So it's really beautiful to share that with this community and to continue to see the support and the connections that we build and grow together well cool well we are super glad to have heard from you again today and i'm so glad you came back to share with us and i love that blog post that you wrote so make sure you guys sign up for her emails list so you can get other great um emails like that and um take the class if you're interested in learning more about medicinal herbs because it will um, super valuable, I know. And um, thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Jackie. Take care and take care everyone out there. Oh, thank you.
get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own Organic Oasis. Um, it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay, what Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for Mother Earth. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening. And remember, grow local.